All right, let me uh, ask you to turn back to John chapter 1. We're going to, again, continue there. But as you find John chapter 1, I'd also like to encourage you to um, either put your Bible ribbon in John 1 or your finger or something and then turn to Colossians chapter 1 just briefly. I want to look at a couple of verses there as well. As we have begun the study of the harmony of the Gospels, we began last week looking at the pre-existence of Christ, uh, coming to an understanding that the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, as re- and referred to in John 1 as the Word, existed prior to His incarnation there in Bethlehem. It's very important that we set a good foundation upon which to build as we uh, endeavor to go through the study of the Gospels because it will affect our understanding and the way we approach the other things that we're going to be encountering through this study is if we have a solid, firm grasp on his preexistence, that He is deity. And that's what we looked at last week of the deity of Christ. We, we will begin looking at that. And as we looked at it, we you know, focused on the first couple of verses in the beginning God, or in the beginning the Word was with God. Was God. <laughs> Let me get Genesis 1-1 out of my mind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then we jump down to verse 14 where it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we looked at that, and we focused on the deity of Christ. But with that in mind, I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. A couple of verses there to just kind of uh, cement this in our understanding. Verse 15, first of all, and it's the whole context that we're about to look at is referring to Christ, the Lord Jesus. In verse 15, Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So we, we find that He is the visible form of the invisible God. He came for that purpose, to reveal God to us. Then in verse um, 19, chapter 1 of Colossians, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Now there again we see two of uh, of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. So the division there, the separation of that, but yet the unity is also signified that Christ will reveal to us the very fullness, the very unity, the completeness of God. And then also in uh, um, chapter 2 and verse 9, I also want you to focus, point you there, for in Christ or in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So as we looked at the deity of, of 
Jesus, we looked at and we 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 mentioned and brought out the the subject of the Trinity, and we find here in Colossians that that is reinforced that the Lord Jesus Christ came to reveal the Godhead to us, to mankind, that we might be able to to better relate to Him and realize that He is a relational being. He is a relational God. He's not a standoffish God. He's not one that is hands off. He wants to be involved in our life. And He comes in the form of man in order to make that connection uh, for us easier to grasp. And Jesus, the Lord Jesus, it says, in Him... All the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. And we also see that reinforced in John 14 when Jesus said to Philip, If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father also. So, anytime we want to know God better, look at Christ. Look at the Word of God. Look at Him as His example in His public ministry and we'll begin to understand His nature, His character, His compassion, His grace, His mercy because it was He is the embodiment of all that. His love. If we want to know more about the love of God, observe the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the deity of Christ is of utmost importance when we begin to study the harming of the Gospels because we need to understand completely that it's God that came down to earth to man. Not just another man. Though Jesus was a good man, He was a great man, He was a perfect man, He was a a great teacher, He was a prophet, He was a miracle worker, He was all that, but utmost, He is God. So, with that in mind, when we approach these other issues and uh, encounter these miracles that, that Jesus Christ pre- performed, then we will better understand and grasp, well, this is God working. And that's what we need to understand. So, uh, we looked at Jesus' deity. This morning, I want to focus on Jesus the Creator. And then we'll go into Jesus the Light. And these three aspects are... I believe, vitally important to understanding the very life of Christ, His public ministry, and the things that are revealed to us in the, in the Gospels concerning the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> so, John chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Then we, I want to bring you down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. So we find here, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, first of all, we identify the Word as being Jesus Christ. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Jesus the Nazarite. Or the Nazarene. He was God in flesh. 100% God, 100% man. The deity of Christ. But He's also the Creator. And notice, if you would, all things were made through Him. We mentioned this, alluded to this a little bit last week in talking about His his, uh, divinity and that He was the... When God said, when God spoke, Jesus Christ was the one that was 
was actually activating the the creation of things that came into being. The word logos, Jesus Christ, created all things. He um, he was uh, not a created being. He was the creator of all things, all things that are visible and invisible for that matter. Uh, Jesus created. He created all the animals. He created all uh, the plants, all the the trees, and the, then the stars and the moon and all the planets, the universe. He even created all mankind. All things. Not some things. Not most things. But all things. Jesus is the Creator. Um, they were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made. So, um, I know that a lot of us may have come up in a day and age in school, some, well, some maybe not as much as others, uh, but especially this day and age, our young people are coming up in school that are being taught and trained that uh, of evolution, Darwinian theory, and all that kind of stuff, that, and they've, they've subtracted God out of the equation of creation. Uh, but we need to understand, and once we get it solidified in our own heart and beliefs, that God is the creator of all things, we need to teach that to our children and to our grandchildren. They need to have something to combat what is the world's philosophy that is being presented to them on a daily basis throughout the week instead of just having a little 30-minute Sunday school class on Sunday morning. Hopefully, at least they get that much to teach them that God is God and He is the Creator. So, we need to understand. But all three persons of the Godhead uh, were involved in the work of creation. Um, we, we just, you know, when we looked at Genesis, we saw God created the heaven and earth. Uh, he spoke, God spoke, and it happened. The Holy Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth, and it was the Word that was the, uh, or the Lord Jesus Christ that was the uh, agent through whom things were created. So, the word bara, B-A-R-A, is the Hebrew word that was used to describe the process of creation. And it's used approximately 50 different times uh, in the Old Testament. And it carries the distinct meaning of, thing, of, of, of miraculous and instantaneous creation. But it also carries with it the connotation of an act of creating something out of nothing and something out of something. Let me explain. God's spoke into the darkness and there was light. He said, let there be light and there was light. Four days later, He created the sun and the moon. I, I don't know if y'all remember what I taught about the light, but does, does anybody know what the light was whenever on day one, God said, let there be light and there... No? No? No, it wasn't Jesus because that means He would be created. Yeah. Was it his word? What would that be? His radiance. His what? Radiance. Radiance. 
or what I believe is the Shekinah glory of God. He, he let that burst forth into the darkness. And, his, uh, and that being uh, an example of that, being the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember in the Gospels whenever Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the top of a mountain and He was... The Bible says he was changed in, in front of them and he his radiance just outshone the sun. And there he taught with Moses and Elijah. That was the Shekinah glory of deity that shone forth. In fact, whenever in Exodus, whenever Moses was instructed to build the tabernacle and once it was completed, they were dedicating the tabernacle. The Bible says that the glory cloud of God came down and they could not even enter into the tabernacle because of the glory of God. And it was a Shekinah glory. That also reflects off of us sometimes whenever we get real close to God. And how do I know that? Because Moses came down from Sinai one time. He had spent so much time and was so close to God uh, that he came down, he had to put a veil over his face in order to talk to the people because of the, the brightness, the glory that was shining forth from his face. So that tells me, and I've, you know, we've, we see this on occasion. Someone has a radiance about them because they've been so close to God, they just kind of radiate a little bit. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but sometimes that happens. And you can it just God's glory is just reflecting off. It's not a off visible of them. light; it's just a, a, a sensation that you feel, or, or you don't actually see. A... You don't see me shining. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, Sorry. Jim, don't answer that. Don't. Jim Stevens. Jim Stevens. Only when you get Reese Peanut Butter. Reese Peanut Butter makes me radiate. Let me tell you. Yeah. The uh, Stephen. Yeah. Somebody says Stephen. Yeah. Stephen, yes, yeah, Stephen had that glow, that look about him whenever he was being stoned. They looked upon him as the face of an angel, the Bible described him. So, uh, we see that, that God created everything out of nothing. He, he spoke, and uh, the, in the, the sun and the moon, the earth was made, created, the, you know... The trees started growing and they were mature and all that. He spoke and it happened. Now that was Bara with the connotation of making something out of nothing. God was able to do that. He spoke and it happened. But now the connotation of Bara being making something out of something, what do you think that example would be? What was that? The creation of man. He made man. Man. He made man out of the earth. He created man out of the earth, dust of the earth. And woman, right? Hmm, sir? And woman from the rib. That's right. So there's, there's two. So we find that, that God is able to do that, and only God has the power to do that. You know, we, uh, we know that the enemy, the devil, is a powerful being. And he does a lot of deception through signs and lying wonders. But the one thing that he cannot do for sure is to create life and to create something out of nothing. You remember the the story I told in Genesis about the the challenge of the devil and and God? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I won't tell you it again. Can tell it again. No, I haven't heard that. Everybody may. <laughs> the, uh, the devil challenged God, said, I can do anything that you can do. So God said, okay, let's see about that. said, uh, uh, let's, let's make man. And the devil said, okay, we'll make man. Devil reached down and got a handful of dirt, and God said, No, get your own dirt. <laughs> you know, so so the devil cannot create life. Now he can deceive, and, and we'll see that uh, played out in the tribulation period. You know, the, the Antichrist is going to appear to come back to life and then uh, take the, the stage, the world stage as being the uh, the incarnate one that would be the uh, the leader of the, the known world at that time, but it is a false sign. Is a lying wonder is what the Antichrist will do. But let me get back to God. Uh, God, the Son, would speak and it was done. And you know this was displayed during His public ministry as well. The Lord Jesus Christ and some of His miracles proved that He had power over nature. <coughs> Give me an example of Jesus Christ's power over nature. Bunch of examples. I like that. Yeah. He turned water into wine. He calmed the storm, the raging sea. Uh, these are... He walked on the water. He got money from a fish. I tell you what, that'd blow IRS's mind, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, all go fishing. Yeah, had had power over the fish and had them come into the uh, to the net. You know, all the times he healed people. All the time he healed. Yes, he had power over the flesh and over the over the uh, the body itself. Uh, but yeah, he had he displayed this every miracle that Jesus Christ did. When we begin to study these and look at these. They were for a purpose of displaying Him as being the Creator, the Deity, uh, the God incarnate, in order to help people understand who He was, that He was the Messiah. And so, to understand that Jesus is the Creator is of utmost importance. But, we uh, let's turn back to Colossians chapter 1 just for a moment couple of verses there on this note. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> Again, this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. That music coming from you Outside, I think. Pardon? Can you hear that music? Very annoying. Yeah, it's louder than it ever has been out in the uh, music out in the courtyard. Oh, really? the courtyard. You can't hear it. You know, he yeah, only hear it has now. hearing in one ear. I thought that was angels singing because I was. <laughs> 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 Someone has good ears. It is loud, isn't it? Yeah. Very loud. Okay. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Again, this, the context is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things are created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Not only did He create all things, but it's by His power they continue to be. Uh, which is mind-blowing. That it's through His power He keeps everything happening just the way it needs to happen. So, let's, let's talk just a minute about the vastness of creation. The Lord Jesus, the God, created the vast universes. You know, uh, I'm sure a lot of you in here are probably more up on it than I am, but the Hubble telescope and all these uh, things that are sent into space to search out all the mysteries of space and see the planets and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Scientists have uh, discovered how vast, or beginning to discover, how vast our universe is, our world is, our the existence, the creation. And uh, our sun, uh, by the yardstick, uh, being uh, light years, he is, it is eight light years away. But there is, in space, there are suns and stars believed to be billions of light years away. The, our sun is eight light years, long way. And uh, tremendous. And a, and a light year, by the way, is uh, uh, one light year is 186,273 miles per second. That's moving. Nail thought I was driving that fast this morning down Highway 80. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. But that's, that's a long way. And just to think how vast the creation really is, how far into the distance. And we've not even reached that boundary, I don't think, yet of the, of the vastness of God's creation. The, you know, several times God challenged men in the Bible, if you can count the stars, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. No one can begin to count the number of stars. They are so many, billions and billions of stars. So the vastness of creation spreads further than we can ever imagine. Then the enormity of creation is that an example is that some stars are, are, are large beyond all thought. Um, there's a star that could hold 64 million suns the size of ours. Um, the constellation Hercules uh, could contain 100 million stars uh, the size of the Antros that, that could hold our sun that many times. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is 100,000 light years in diameter. Huge. I can't even comprehend that. You know? so, but this is our God. He's a great God. Powerful God. And I have a point to all this. I'll bring that down here in just a moment. But not only is the creation vast and, 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 and enormous, but it's also minute. God is an intricate God. Do you know what everything that is made is made out of? There's a little tiny thing called an atom. The atom 
is I'm told is the building block of the universe, and it's so small that each one is less than a hundred fifty millionth of an inch in diameter. That's pretty small. I can't comprehend the vastness. I sure can't comprehend the uh, the minuteness of this. And if the molecules of a single drop of water, I've learned, could be converted into grains of sand, there would be enough sand to build a concrete highway half a mile wide, one foot thick, all the way from New York to San Francisco. That puts a whole new understanding on with God all things are possible to me. If He's able to do all this, I don't have anything He can't handle. And in fact, He can handle me pretty well. So, with all this that was created, as vast and as beautiful and as enormous and, and intricate as this is, the crown of His creation, the Bible says, is man. We are the crown of His creation. He took more intimate detail with us than He did with anything else He created. In Genesis 1, it repetitively says, God said and it was done. God said and it was done. God said and it was done. But when it came to man, it said, let us make man. He put hands on to man. He was very relational. He was very intentional and he, when He made us. And we, we were made from the dust and the clay of the ground, but, but, and He also created the animals, the Bible says, from the clay of the ground. But, but the differences between the animals and us is the spiritual nature and God-likeness uh, that is in the man's consciousness as opposed to animals. Now, I'm not going to try to offend intentionally any animal lover. Okay? But they're not human. God came for man. Okay? And he, it is to man that God said He breathed into man and He became a living soul, a living being. And that imparted unto man the God-likeness. It's not so much that our hands and our feet and our eyes and our ears are like God. The God-likeness is the spiritual element of God. The eternality of man. Again, I reiterate something I've said several times along the way, is that we are a spiritual being with a body, not a body with a spirit. The spiritual being is what lasts for eternity. It is the spirit that is quickened uh, from our trespasses and sin. It is our spirit that is uh, in, uh, brought alive, quickened by the Holy Spirit and made alive in faith in Christ Jesus. And it's that spiritual man that is going to live forever. And yes, we are going to have a body, a glorified body, but it's the spiritual man that is going to live forever. And that's what we need to understand. The crown of God's creation was uh, uh, 
almost a replica of himself spiritually eternally existent regarding that not so much that we have power all that power but that we will live eternity somewhere you will never die or you will die for eternity one of the two you will never die if you have faith in Christ and He has imparted His eternal life into you for living with Him. You will die eternally if you neglect or you reject the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will still be alive, but you will be dying for all of eternity in the lake of fire. We, this is no annihilation. That's not whenever you die physically, well, that's just it. There is no more. You will immediately step into eternity in one place or the other, heaven or hell. Heaven with Christ, hell without Christ. So it is very vitally important that we share the gospel because everyone is going to step into eternity sooner or later. And what they do with Christ is going to determine where they spend eternity. So... Man's uniqueness from the animal kingdom lies in the fact that he is eternal and has the image of God. So we are different uh, in, uh, uh, in our nature, in our person, in our personality, uh, our moral and spiritual capacities, in our emotions, our intellect, our conscience, uh, our will. In all these things, man stands apart from the animal kingdom. Now, Scripture accounts that only man was created in the image and likeness of God. We've, we've seen that. The three important things about God that are clearly seen in Genesis is that He is creative, He is relational, uh, and He is, uh, as the Creator, God has every right to exercise sovereignty and rulership over His created order. But then uh, mankind is creative, uh, not ultimately, but we are creative, Mankind is relational. We are made to re, uh, interact with each other, not to be hermits and isolate ourselves. And mankind exercises rulership over uh, the earth. Of course, that's been marred by sin, uh, but uh, that's what we were originally created for. So, uh, because of sin, that results in the need of the new birth. Now, The Creator, Jesus, created all this. And the Bible says, let me let's go back to John chapter one. The Bible says that all things were made by him, through him, nothing was made that was made. Then it says in verse ten, the latter part, he came into the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came into his own and his own did not receive him. What is sad in that commentary there in John is that deity, God, came into the form of flesh, took the form of flesh, the very one that had created the very world that he came to that had created mankind into His own image in the spiritual being aspect and that uh, he, he was the one that gave life to man. He came into His own and was rejected. Was not received. 
that is so discouraging. That is so heartbreaking. And I can, you know, I humanly in my rationale, I'm thinking I had to have broken the heart of God. <coughs> that the world that He actually created, man, the crown of His creation that He created, He came to Him and He was rejected. That had to have broken His heart. But yet He came anyway. Now, the Bible says that, that uh, uh, He came into His own, and His own did not receive Him. Now, I think that has a twofold meaning. Number one, God so loved the world that He gave. He came for all of mankind. There's not a human being that has ever been born or ever will be born that Jesus did not come for. He loved, He demonstrated His love and that He came uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the world, 1 John 2, 1. So Jesus came for all the world, all of mankind. doesn't matter what country you're from, what race you're from, what background you're from. It uh, doesn't matter the, the, the anything. He came for the world. But He also, I think, narrowed down a little bit more narrow, He came for His own in that He came to the Jewish nation. How many of you realize that hum humanly speaking, Jesus was a Jew? <coughs> yes, sir. You have a question? And I was going to say, and, and He did all this for us and he knew he would be rejected. Yeah. He came anyway. And that, that is the astounding thought. That he knew what was facing him when he came. He came for the purpose several times in his ministry. He proclaimed, I came for this purpose. He knew he was headed to the cross. He knew the reason that he came to this earth was to suffer and die to pay our sin debt. And yet he came anyway. Now that's love. That's the ultimate definition and expression of love. He came anyway. And then he came to the to the Jewish nation. You know, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise, the seed promise, that, that through you the Messiah would come, the uh, the the seed of the woman, the Messiah would come in to and through the Jewish nation and through that all the world would be blessed. So we find that the Creator, Deity in the flesh, came into His own. Even the nation in which He He groomed and He protected and He helped grow throughout the ages into a great nation, He came into the to the Jewish nation, the one through whom all the prophets gave the promises of the Messiah, they knew the promise of, uh, that, that the Redeemer would come. It is that nation that was given the Scriptures of God by whom all the world now has the Scriptures. They knew all this. He came into His own, and His own did not receive Him. Why? Why? Because... Even me standing here in all of that we've learned as children and been taught in the church. I, I, and I know Jewish people. I have friends that are Jews. And I just 
I don't understand. They knew more than we knew. They knew a lot more than what we knew. And how they have rejected Jesus, how they they're still they waiting for us. Our position. Yeah. May I ask your friends that are Jews? Are they Christian Jews? Are they Messianic Jews? Or are they just Orthodox Jews? Messiah. Messiah. They trusted Jesus as their Savior? Later. Later. Not before. Okay. The, uh, here's, here's my reason, uh, my understanding of why. There's several things. Um, number one, they, the Jewish leaders, teachers, had misinterpreted the Scriptures. Whenever they read Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, which they loved Isaiah, they, they misunderstood Isaiah 53, the very powerful chapter that describes the very death and substitution and crucifixion of Christ. Uh, they, they could not in their mind comprehend a Messiah that would die. So they... they came up with another philosophy to teach to overcome that. And it's, it's the people then, the populace, the Jewish populace, they did not really have Bibles and the copies of the Scripture for themselves to read. They had to take what the leaders were teaching them. So they were ignorant, if you would, to what is what the Scriptures say, most of them. And that is not far-fetched to believe because in our, even in recent history, there have been denominations that, that would uh, encourage or discourage their parishioners from reading the Scriptures and tell them that only people that were in appointed leadership positions could understand what the Bible says and therefore they were... Um, uh, Affected, and they were guided by what the leaders of that denomination has said. They didn't know any different, so they didn't study for themselves, so they couldn't know. So it was a lot of it was uh, the misinterpretation of scriptures and the erroneous teaching by their leaders to the people that led to that misunderstanding or rejection of Christ, because they, uh, the leadership, were. Uh, rejecting him because they were looking for a different kind of Messiah, militant Messiah that would come on a great white stallion and, and lead an army and deliver them from the Roman oppression. But uh, they weren't looking for a suffering Savior first. Yes, sir. Well, those scrolls were very expensive. Yes. And uh, rare too. A lot of people had never even seen one if they didn't go to the temple like right. they're supposed to. Right. Yeah, and they didn't have a printing press then. You know, they weren't spitting them out like books today. You know, so they were hand copied. So they were extremely rare, extremely hard to come by, and extremely expensive if you if you had one. So everything that we're exposed to now in our in our day and time, what we know and what's been discovered, their hearts are still hard. They're they're still not. Well, they. They're, okay. Well, they're blinded by the God of this world. Number two, number two, if they are Orthodox Jewish believers, they believe the Orthodox way, then they discount. They don't even uh, 
hold to the New Testament. They don't give themselves a chance to know anything else. They go by the teaching of the of the Jewish leaders, and just like. Um, well, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm gonna make people mad anyway. So the the Catholics. Yes. Okay, that's who I've been alluding alluding to. The Pope is the ultimate word. If he says it, it's hey, it's gospel. It's it. It's etched in stone. If he says it's right, it's right. If he says it's wrong, it's wrong. Regardless of what the Bible says. And if you're a true Catholic, then whatever that Pope says is it. Doesn't matter what this says. Doesn't matter what the Baptist preacher says. Doesn't matter what this denomination says. Nothing. God Himself could come down and say, no, that's wrong. That's another Pope said it's right. So it's the same thing with the Jewish denomination. That, uh, you know, and, and not only Catholics and Jews, but there's other uh, denominations that are like that. The, the philosophy behind the Catholicism movement, uh, from what I've studied church history, if you keep your people ignorant, you can get them to do anything you want them to do. Thus, they got all the money. They're rich denomination. Uh, they they have extensive loyal followers because they don't know anybody. They don't. And they couldn't read. Some and of they, them, a lot of them. Yeah, but they didn't have their Bibles. Martin Luther was the one that came and said, to, uh, and got into so much trouble because he said, "This is what the Bible said." The pope, the popes, and the he, priests had been right. preaching wrong. That's right. To get the people's money and to keep them ignorant. Yeah, he drove a nail in the church door, and that got him in trouble. Of course, it had ninety-five theses on the table. Yes, but if Martin Luther hadn't have done that, we well, might there, still be the. Well, there was a, a movement before Martin Luther, but he he regarded as the the leader, the the face of the Reformation. Uh, but there were some some guys before him that really took a big stand like Wycliffe and, and Tyndale and yeah, others. Yeah, and they were killed. Oh yeah, well, so was Martin Luther later. Yeah, but, <clears throat> but because they printed a Bible that people could read. Right, right. And, 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 and that was the philosophy. You put the Word of God in the hands of in the, uh, the vernacular of the people make the scriptures readily available and let the people have it in their own language where they can read it and understand it, then they can be educated and come to a right knowledge. Yes, sir? I didn't have a problem with the Jews until I realized what the Bible The Bible says that the, the veil of Moses, like when he came down from the mountain, he had put the veil in place because it shines much. Uh, they have the veil over their eyes so they can they can read the same thing we read at the same time. Get a different interpretation. It. Right. Because God has put the veil over their eyes. That's correct. That's correct. But they were expecting a king. They weren't expecting a baby. Right? That's right. They so were. therefore, they didn't reject a king right. on that basis. They was expecting a warrior, not a whole different, you know, different philosophy, different understanding, different teaching. And we are affected that way, you know. Um, you know I'll, I'll be the first to admit, someone starts speaking to me something that is contrary to what I've studied, what I've come to believe as being the truth in the Bible, I'm, hey, you know, 
Dogmatic. I don't think that's right. Pretty dogmatic sometimes. <laughs> Very dogmatic sometimes. But, you know, if it's if it's reasonable, I'll search it out. You know, but if, you know, very quickly, if it's far-fetched, uh, you know, I'll just, might as well burn that bridge because we're not crossing. And, uh, but, but the thing is, is that uh, we need to understand this. You know, I've already ran out of time again. I'm not going to get to the light part. The, uh, the beginning of, of the harmony of the gospel is that we understand that not only did God come and take the form of flesh, but also He, the Creator, came into His own creation and still was rejected. So uh, there's there's a lot involved with uh, Jesus' coming. And as uh, Greg said, He came anyway. He knew this was going to happen, and yet He still came. And that is a... Uh, such a tremendous testimony of the grace and the love of God uh, for us. So uh, next week, Lord willing, we will start in on Jesus, the true light. Uh, we need to look at that just a moment, a few minutes, and then we'll get into some more of a, another phase of the gospel, the harmony. Okay? Any yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, I have a lot of history of teaching young children about God and Jesus. And right here, the very first verse is, in the beginning, God created the earth. And then you go down there to what you're teaching us. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. Now that's two separated things. Right. And that's what we teach children. Right. God was in heaven. And then the verse that says, he sent His own Son to save our lives. That again is is separating. Right. And so children, and I still have that mentality of children, <laughs> of a child. God was in the beginning, and then Jesus came as a tiny little baby. And, and children can understand that. Right. And I guess I'm still thinking that what? You're in your second childhood anyway. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Dot, you and you and Donna are gonna have a good time. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'll teach you something. Oh, that mercy. I know it. I think right. <laughs> All right. Any any other questions or comments before we dismiss? On this today, yes, ma'am. This is completely un, un, unrelated, except for one thing. Any idea why the Catholic believe in praying for Mary? Now, I, I don't expect you to know the complete answer, but how did that come about? Somebody just said, "Let's do that." Pretty much, they they idolized her as they in their own mind they could not fathom the fact of a sinful woman being the mother of God, so they had to make her just like him. Pretty much, that's about as simple as I can put it. Yes, ma'am. One thing that sticks in my mind throughout today talking about Catholicism is that we went to that Bible museum in West Monroe and. We were able, I read there somewhere that a lot of people, all they had was an icon to look at, like an icon of maybe the crucifixion or something. 
they didn't have the word. They just looked at that, and that was the only Bible they right, knew. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, they were like Helen Keller. How did they know that he died for their sins if just by looking at a picture? Right. Well, we're we'll get into some of that, I think, next week when I talk about the light and the life. Okay, keep that thought in your mind, and maybe we'll answer that next week. Okay, all right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise you, we love you, we thank you that even though you knew what would happen, you sent Jesus anyway. And even though you knew what would happen, Lord Jesus, you came anyway. And we're thankful that you did. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to come to understand and to uh, grasp and to better receive your truth of exactly what you've done and accomplished for us. As we enter into the worship service, Lord, we pray you'll meet with us. Help us to come into your presence humble surrendered and i pray that you'll speak through pastor brad the words that we need to hear that will challenge us and change us by your glory in jesus name amen Amen.